Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Good morning. Now, COE prices ended mostly lower in the latest bidding exercise due to a higher quota from May to July. But they're still on the high side, though, over 100k for Cat A, Cat B, and open categories. Still a challenge for the average Singaporean to own a car. Yeah, I was watching this very closely because we've been seeing records after records after every other round of exercise, right? Mm -hmm. Finally, a bit of a change, but we'll see how long that lasts. So the question now comes up, should we start looking at a longer-term solution? or a regular implementation of cooling measures similar to what we saw not too long ago with the property sector where we've got a recent ABSD rate hike. Should we have something similar? You know, the COE system just turned 33 on May 1st. So is it time to reevaluate the effectiveness of the current COE system and whether it's the best approach? Yeah, we think about it, right? Should those who can pay more be the ones who buy, be able to buy a car? Because for many people, it can be an important form of getting around to raise the productivity. So that question of um, equity as well comes up. What is the impact of rising COE prices on our society, especially families with young children, the elderly or handicapped members, if everything remains unchanged? Let's get some insights from our guest today, Associate Professor Walter Tessera, Transport Analyst at SUSS. Walter, welcome back to the show. Morning. And let's also welcome Julian Cole. He is the Editor and General Manager for Media SG Kamat. Julian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks guys. Morning. Gentlemen, let's put things in perspective first. The COE quota system is a simple price mechanism that works on demand and supply. LTA only controls the supply of COEs and the final price then is set by the demand of for new vehicles, right? According to economists, demand is a function of willingness, ability to pay for something. Thus, COE prices are at a level where, by definition, people are willing and able to pay for them. Now, a few reasons have contributed to crazy COE prices recently. One of them is an influx of foreigners, right? Since the pandemic kicked in, many of them seek to buy new cars, which adds fuel to the frenzy. Should there be a separate system for Singaporeans, PRs and foreigners, just like our HDB policies, rebates, grants for first-time buyers, etc.? Walter, your thoughts? Well, you know, there's one big difference between housing and cars, and that is uh, you can very easily trade a car. You can very easily let somebody who isn't the owner use the car. And because of that, uh, it means that if you have a policy that targets the owner rather than the car, uh, that policy is going to be really problematic. It's going to fail unless you very severely restrict the right of a car owner to let the car be sold or used by a third party. I mean, think about we, we ban Singaporeans from driving Malaysian cars, you know? The reason why we do that is because otherwise, any Singaporean from Malaysian relative is going to circumvent COE policy, uh, get the Malaysian car over here and use it instead. And that means that you will need a very heavy level of restriction to make a policy that uh, targets the owner actually work. So I'll give you one example of an, a policy we do have. Uh, we have a special disabled person scheme. If you're a disabled person, you qualify, you can buy a car without COE and ARF, but it's very restrictive. It, it doesn't allow the car to be used by others to trade it. And you need that kind of restriction in order to uh, target the owner and not the car itself. Yeah, Julian, let's hear from you because uh, this has been a topic of discussion for uh, quite a long time as well. So what do you make of all these conversations right now? Uh, I think it's a very interesting um, angle to look from. You know, I mean, if you want COEs to have that same policy as what the 
property sectors just uh, implemented with regards to ABSD. I don't think personally and professionally that is the best of ideas. Um, I agree with what Walter just said as well. Um, but on the other hand, I sort of think differently. I have a slightly different opinion in the sense that COEs are meant to control the car population. It is not meant to control car ownership, whereas the ABSD has that in mind. So it's a slightly different proposition altogether. I mean, for instance, I could own 10 cars, but at any point in time, I'm only driving one car. There's only one car that's on the road by me. The other nine cars are probably parked somewhere. Um, so car ownership and car usage are two very different things. And COE essentially, when it first started 33 years ago, it's actually meant to control the car population on the road. So I don't think it should be implemented together as how uh, the property sector uh, implemented ABSD. Yeah, Julian, I get where you're coming from. Walter, I like how you're actually doing this interview in your car. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, this uh, is something that I want you to weigh in on. I, th- I think Julian's got some good points. And we talked about how you know, last week there was, uh, or so there was this ABSD conversation going on. Hey, if you've got more properties, you should be able to pay more in terms of taxes. Does that argument work when it comes to cars? Because some households have more than one car and you might be wondering, why do some families need so many cars? They can share it to some extent, right? The way I look at this is the following, right? Do we actually think that rich people have got no friends or relatives? I mean, you know, this concept uh, that some people have brought up, which is that we should only allow uh, Singaporeans to own one car, maybe we should tax the second car people own very heavily. Um, The problem is, a lot of people have got friends and relatives they're just going to buy the car and park mm. the car's ownership under, under you know uh, the reason why this is less of a problem with ABSD and, and property is that if you do park a property under a friend or a relative you know you better really trust that person because you're placing a million dollar item under their <laughs> name you know uh, but, but for cars it's, it's much less of a concern right uh, and, and we've already heard of very famous cases in the past where some rich guy ta- got his uh, driver or his employee to take the fall for them for a traffic offense. So really, it's trivial for rich people to have uh, cars registered in other people's names and use them anyway. That's the problem. Julian, this year's budget, far more punitive taxes were introduced for you know more expensive cars, costlier cars, mostly those with bigger or more powerful engines or motors. So what are you seeing from the ground? What has been the impact and how effective have the measures been in cooling the market? Um, this, I, I believe you're referring to the revised ARF, mm-hmm. That's right. uh, tiered ARF that was announced in the budget. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, this affects the ultra-rich the most, the ultra-wealthy in Singapore the most. So we're talking about potential buyers of supercars, cars like Ferrari, McLaren, Lamborghinis. Um, in all honesty... It has got some good effect. Some people are holding back their purchase now because what was used to be a million dollars is now about 1.4 to 1.6 million, which is significantly more. But if you're talking about the regular cars like the S-Class, and S-Class by that uh, definition is already a flagship model, Um, the S-Class, the uh, Audi A8, the Lexus LS... These are not heavily impacted. We have, we have actually done some calculations and um, you're actually paying about about ten to $15,000 more depending on the price. So it's not significant uh, enough for a buyer to sway his decision. Um, but definitely for the ultra-rich uh, in Singapore, they have been heavily affected and some of them are actually curbing. But let's be honest, if I was ultra-rich um, and I want a certain car in a certain category, 
I think the extra 600,000 might not actually be a problem for me. Mm, that's a good point. If you're rich, you know, this is just going to be loose change for you to some extent. <laughs> yeah. We're in conversation with <laughs> Associate Professor Walter Serra, Transport Analyst at SUSS. Plus, you just heard from Julian Ko, Editor and General Manager for Media SG Karmat. Now, Walter, I've got an interesting question here. And this is around the idea that you know, cars should be something that everyone should have access to. Because when you think about it, some of the poorer parts of the population they need cars as much as the richer guys to bring their elderly parents around, to bring their children to the school, to work. Because this means improvement in productivity, a better standard of life. Is there argument here that we should be looking at making the entire system more equitable? And in that sense, the COE system is regressive because as an absolute chunk, it is going to hurt those who are poorer, just like how um, any other uh, absolute tax will go versus the ARF, which is more progressive. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is a very important concern. But I think the way to address it is to think about what the real problem is. What's the most efficient way of dealing with the real problem? Uh, Singaporeans want good quality transport that meets their needs. It doesn't matter whether it's a private car, MRT or bus. The important thing is, is it actually good quality? Does it meet your needs? Does it get you... Uh, to where you want to go quickly and, and efficiently and cheaply, right? And the, the problem here is uh, the reason why so many people want to buy a private car is that they feel the public transport system does not meet their needs well at the moment. You know, they find it difficult to bring kids and the elderly on. It's too crowded during the time they need to use it. So when they have money, they buy their way into public uh, private transport so they don't have to deal with those issues. And what this tells me is that the best solution is to actually keep on improving public public transport because we want to have that group of Singaporeans who feel that public transport is not good for them. We want that group to be shrinking year and year as public transport gets better. And I think that's actually more equitable because, you know, even if there's no tax in COE, a car is still an expensive thing. It, it's going to strain the finances of lower-income families. So it's better for that lower-income family to have a really great public transport system and to subsidize that. And, you know, it's not so equitable, on the other hand, to make cheap uh, cars cheaper for middle class Singaporeans if we could instead spend the, the same amount of money and effort uh, on public transport instead. So that's kind of my view. Spoken like a true transport analyst, Walter. Now, what about you, Julian? How do you think <laughs> uh, you know a more equitable COE system might help yeah, address Julian, social mobility? I hear about this argument that we should have a balloting system. No, no, no. I, 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 have, I have a very unique uh, point of view. I think, I say unique because I don't think a lot of people will agree, but I think it's probably one of the most efficient in my mind at least and th that is to get rid completely of the COE system it's 33 years old it's probably outdated yes COE has done a very very good job of controlling car population because without COE the jam will start the moment you leave your multi-story car park however we should actually tax people based on usage. And this was supposedly to be the plan years ago when, you know, they start uh, tracking people's usage. And then they'll just probably send a bill to you once you're done. You should tax people heavily enough that the users will actually feel the pain. Drivers will actually feel the pain. So, for instance, if the congestion is always in town, around Orchard area, around Shenton area, if you want to drive there, that's going to cost you a lot. We're talking about enough for you to reconsider driving 
driving in. So I might actually take a public transport in. I might actually take an MRT or a bus in instead of driving in because maybe it'll cost me 50, 60 bucks to get in that area. But for those who require the car, who needs the car to drive the car from home to hospital, home to clinics, or even maybe home to certain industrial areas for work, industrial areas like Woodlands and Jurong where it's not that crowded, it will probably be cheaper. You know, the taxes or, or the cost for you to drive uh, used our roads will be a lot lesser. So do we need the COE system? Um, yes, we do in a way because we still need to control the car population. But again, we are controlling car usage, not mm. car ownership. I can own 10 cars, but at any point in time, I will only be using one car on the road anyway. Yeah, so maybe a more granular sort of ERP system that's going to be satellite-based could be the future. Now, Julian, you talked about how we need to evolve the COE system. What about the situation when it comes to right-hailing firms? Should they have a separate category of sorts when it comes to COEs? I wish. <laughs> I wish that that would happen. Um <laughs> <laughs> but it's not going to work that way because it's not exactly feasible. Uh, it's If I were to come up with, if I was the government, I had to come up with so many different systems for so many different parties and people and companies. Uh, it's going to be difficult to manage. It's going to be difficult to tax. I can't please everybody. This is something that we all have to understand and accept. It's a, it's a very hard truth. Yes, right-hailing companies do play their part in causing the COE to rise significantly. But still, if I were to come up with a separate COE system, for instance, what makes you think that the COE for regular cars will not rise to what it is today? People will still be demanding for it. The demand will still be there. Because once we remove right-hailing companies, COE starts dropping. More people will start demanding for it because they'll say, hey, you know what, COE, Cat A now is not 101,000, it is now 30,000. Maybe I can afford to buy. And more people will start coming in, demand starts climbing up. Uh, it's going to be back to square one. Walter, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, the, the point I want to add to this is that in the long run, every car which is registered for private hire or taxi use or, you know, uh, maybe even car sharing, right? Uh, that car is on average going to be more efficiently used uh, than a privately owned car. And because of that, every car registered uh, for sharing is probably going to reduce demand for private car ownership by more than one car. Because, you know, for a typical privately owned car in Singapore, you only use it a couple of hours a day at most for most owners, right? But a rental car is used much more frequently than that. So it actually generates a lot more uh, private transport services than one privately owned car does. And that's why I think if you have a limited supply of COEs, it's actually self-defeating to to say that we shouldn't allow them to be used in private hire cars and rentals because that will actually you know increase demand for private cars even more if you don't allow them to be used. Uh, the real problem we have now is we just don't have a lot of COEs supply. When you don't have a lot of CV supply, every car that is bid for by a you know private hire company takes one away. And but the long term effect is that uh, private hire cars and taxis and so on should reduce demand for private cars rather than compete with uh, private car owners. And also around encouraging the right behaviour, we want more EVs on the roads. Is there a way to calibrate a COE system to uh, do that? Julian? <laughs> it's going to be difficult, but I think there is a way. I think we do need to do that so that we can encourage more people to to buy electric vehicles. Um, again, is that the ultimate goal? Do we want people to buy cars? That is not the ultimate goal. That's definitely not the objective, but we do need to encourage people in a certain way because if the COEs right now is this high, don't talk about electric vehicles. Any vehicles is just not possible. Uh, we can't even buy any vehicle right now. Um, I think EVs... Is, 
EVs are the future. It's, it's for our children and our children's children. I think we need to stay focused and we need to understand that EVs is something that we should embrace instead of avoid in that sense, instead of shunning them. Um, should the COE system change because of that, it may be tweaked to better suit the consumers so that EVs become more palatable. Uh, will it be implemented anytime soon? I, I strongly believe not. Before we let you guys go, now it's been 33 years since we had this system. So do you think it's time to reevaluate the COE system, Julian? Yes. <laughs> yes, I think it's time to reevaluate the system. I mean, <laughs> like I said, I, I, yeah, I strongly believe that it should be a satellite base. I mean, that was already in plan anyway. We should tax people based on the usage of the cars and not based on ownership. Right now, it's becoming like that. It's becoming a bit of a usage as well as ownership uh, in a sense whereby to buy a car, the certificate of entitlement alone already cost more than twice the metal itself. So it's it's too much to bear. Can you imagine people who actually need a car, that I need a car to send an elderly to the hospital or I need the car to send a sickly mother to the clinic on a weekly basis. You can text me if I use the roads, if I use the car, you can text me based on the distance, a satellite base, what have you. But to come up with that one lump sum of 100 over 1,000, it's, it's very, very painful. Walter? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Julian that I think uh, taxing uh, usage more is, is the way to go and that's something we will be able to do when the uh, you know satellite-based uh, ERP system is going to be rolled out. But I think the other thing we got to do is we got to address this problem of the COE cycle, which is very inefficient. What do I mean by that? You know, we have about 650,000 cars on the road today. If their COEs were actually supplied evenly across the earth, we should have 60 to 70,000 COEs coming up for auction every year. But instead, you know, last year we had something like 30,000 or less, okay? And we basically have a stretch of years in the early part of the decade where the car COE supply is less than half of bumper years, which are coming on in about two or three years' time, where you can have 80,000 or more COE supply. And this doesn't make any sense at all. It, it actually all stems from the fact that when the car COE supply was expanded in the late 2000s, that expansion was then cut off in the early 2010s. And this created this uh, 10-year cycle of high and low COE supply in different years. And it doesn't make sense because demand for cars doesn't follow this kind of high and low swing. So the first thing I think we ought to do is even out the COE supply across years first. Uh, it means that prices might be a bit higher during high COE supply years, but they'd also moderate down during years like this one, during last year, for example, probably moderate down. Uh, there's also another suggestion people have made about the categories. You know, A and B, does it make sense anymore? And I think this also deserves some attention because today, Cat A, which was meant for, you know, more like mass market cars, it doesn't really serve that purpose anymore because luxury car makers have been expanding all their offerings into lower engine capacity, lower power rating markets. Uh, and one idea I've heard, which, which has been talked about, you know, maybe deserves a closer look, is tying the COE cost to the OMV of the car more strongly. So, for example, maybe you bid instead a fraction of the OMV rather than dollar value. That means if you're bidding for, you know, a COE for a Toyota, you might get it at a lower cost compared to tagging the same COE to a BMW or Mercedes, right? Uh, but you know what's going to happen? I predict this. In two years' time, we do nothing. The high COE supply cycle kicks in. Everybody's happy. They buy the cars at cheaper prices and everybody's going to forget about this issue for another decade. You know, I think that's what's going to happen. All right, thank you, gentlemen, for your time and insight this morning. Hope the powers to be uh, you know, listening and this will drive some change in time to come.
We've been speaking with Associate Professor Walter Cicera, Transport Analyst at SUSS. And Julian Koh, Editor and General Manager of Media at SG Carmart. Thank you very much. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.